It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to today's show. Hope you had a great July 4th weekend. We're going to recap the weekend that was for the Reds, and it wasn't so great. And we'll talk about what the rest of the season looks like now here from the All-Star break standpoint. But before we get to that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya Podcasting app. Also hit us up on Twitter at LockdownReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And then head on over to LockdownReds.com for even more content. Coming up here in a few days, I'll have Mike Martis on. We're going to have almost like an interview as if I'm interviewing him for the MLB commissioner job. Obviously, I'm not qualified to interview him for that, but it'll be fun anyway. So let's get to the weekend. It was a bit frustrating. They go 0-2 against the Indians, and really there were some of us after the 3 out of 4 series win over the Brewers that were starting to wonder what this team is going to look like come the All-Star break. Because if they had the chance, if they ended up beating the Indians both times, they'd be just a game under 500. Now instead they sit at five games under 500. And that's where they've pretty much been for the majority of this season, just languishing somewhere between four and six games right underneath that halfway, you know, the 500 mark. So what are they? They continue to confuse us because as soon as you get super enthusiastic and start to think of the future and think, ooh, maybe these guys will be playing into October, then they go on a bad streak. And then as soon as you count them out, they come right back and they go on a good streak. So it's hard to tell exactly what we're going to expect from this team. And there are some folks who are starting to believe that they will do nothing at the trade deadline. And I really hope that doesn't happen. I really hope they don't just stand pat. Now, I could see them making a qualifying offer. That's been the hot topic here lately with Yasiel Puig, is that they get to the end of the season and they give him a qualifying offer, which would be around $18 million for next year. And you know what? If he accepts that, that's great. You get him for another year. And if he turns it down, somebody signs him in free agency, then you get a draft pick. And who knows what comes of that draft pick. But nonetheless, that kind of seems like the way that they're going to go with him because there's not been a whole lot of movement on the rumor mill. Now, there was a little bit of buzz about maybe Tanner Rourke might be on the move and stuff like that, but there's not been anything concrete. And and kudos to the front office for holding everything close to the vest pretty much since Dick Williams took over. But at the same time, I I, I worry that the, you know, the prevailing sentiment that happened last season with the reason that they kept Matt Harvey 
is kind of there this year. You know, hashtag positive momentum. That was the big thing that they said. They're like, ooh, we really think we could build some positive momentum by not trading Matt Harvey last year. I hope they don't approach the trade deadline that way because unless you're actually making a playoff push, positive momentum doesn't exist. You can't take momentum one year into the next. Now, you can take successful steps in building a team, and that's what they did in the offseason. They took the right moves to get Sonny Gray and to get Tanner Rourke and to get Yasiel Puig and those guys, but they've got to build on that. They can't just take that step and leave it where it is. And now I'm not saying that they need to sell off everybody that's got a one-year contract, but they cannot be closed to the idea of decent offers. If somebody does come to them with a pretty good offer for like Jose Iglesias or Derek Dietrich or something like that, and we'll get to Dietrich here in a minute, they should at least listen. Now, I'm not saying that they should be accepting like, single-A players or double-A players who are years away from even making a major league impact. They need to be looking at guys who can make an impact next year, hopefully next year at least, and if not right now. So in the sense of being a traditional seller, that's not what they are, and I don't want them to think that way, but I don't want them to stand pat either because this weekend showed that the Reds, while they are interesting, are not yet good. And I know that's going to ruffle some feathers, but I've just had that thought. It's like, they're okay. And okay has been better than what they've been in the last five years, for sure. I mean, at least we're talking about them in July as having a chance. The last five years, that hasn't happened. In fact, we were done in May. We were talking about them like, all right, well, when's next year? And they still had 100 games left. At least right now, they're interesting. And that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted in December when they made the trade with the Dodgers and got rid of Homer Bailey. And that is still what we want right now. And I think that's what we've got. They just, it's as fans, we can continue to be positive. The front office has to be realistic. I'm not asking you as a fan to be realistic about your fandom. That's dumb. Being a fandom means you're a fanatic, means you love your team, and you want them to go to the playoffs at all costs every single year. So I'm not asking you to throw that away by any means. I want us to realize that the front office needs to be willing to accept that maybe we're getting close to them playing for next year. And they've been doing that for a few years prior, and that's probably not the best thing you wanted to hear on this Monday morning. But that's kind of where I'm at here going into the All-Star break. I want to break down a few reasons why. I've come to that conclusion here after the break. But real quick, I want to thank our sponsor, Hotels.com, for sponsoring today's episode. Head over to Hotels.com for great rates and a reward system for your traveling. Have you gotten rewarded the last time you went out of state? Yeah, I didn't think so. Probably cost a lot of money, too. Hotels.com can mitigate that and it'll get you rewarded as well. Hotels.com. You're listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast here on a Monday. I mentioned in the first half that I'm starting to come to the realization that this team, at least the organization, may need to start thinking about playing for next season. Like I mentioned, we as fans don't need to think that way. We can continue to think that they're going to make the playoffs because they're not that far out. I mean, what other sports team have you seen 
that is the quintessential example of optimism and pessimism, of separating fan bases into one of these two camps. Because you can be a pessimist about this team and say, look, they're last place. They're five games under 500. They continually seem to get close to 500 and then go on a losing streak and come right back to where they were. You can be that pessimist. Or you can be the optimist and say, look, they're only four and a half games out of the division to say even the wild card. Because for whatever reason, if the Reds get into first place in the NL Central right now, they would actually be in the wild card race as well. They'd be the second team in the wild card. So they would have to win the division before they could be a wild card team. And that's kind of fantastic to me, which obviously that changes as we get closer to the end of the season. But you know what? I digress. The whole point of the matter here is they're four and a half games out of first place. They're two and a half games out of being in third place of being ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals, who they will see here in not right after the break, but the week after the break. So, there's just there's there's no clear cut answer as to what the Reds are, but the reason that I'm feeling that organizationally the Reds maybe need to start turning their focus to next year, seeing what kind of pieces they can get back in trades, is because we've not seen the improvement on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, sure, they've had games. You know, they've got that promotion at Great American Ballpark this year that if the Reds score 10 or more runs, everyone in attendance gets free Chick-fil-A. Raise your hand if you've gotten free Chick-fil-A lately. I think they've only done it two or three times this year. And that's not to say that the mark of a good offense is 10 runs. It's just to say that it doesn't happen very much. And in fact, this past weekend was a perfect example of it. They were shut down. Now, Shane Bieber is going to the All-Star game for the Indians. You know, he's he's no pitcher to just turn a blind eye to. He's a pretty good dude, and he's a good young pitcher. One of the reasons that there's rumors flying around that they may be looking to trade Trevor Bauer and things like that. But he's a good pitcher. He shut them down for eight innings. Yasiel Puig hit a two-run home run off of him in the first inning, and then nothing happened after that. It was a great game for him, great game for the Indians. And then on Sunday, Trevor Bauer shut them down. They only got one run off him. Three runs in two games. I don't care who you're playing against. That's not going to cut it. You don't even have to be a mediocre offensive team to score more than two runs. And yet there's been a lot of those games this year where the Reds' offense has just gone to sleep. And I know that there's a statistic out there, and I forget exactly the number, that they lead the league in most runs scored in the first inning. That's not good because they haven't scored that many runs. So if you take out the number of runs they've scored in the first inning, this is probably pretty bad. Innings two through nine probably look really anemic. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. It may be something I look at here for another episode. but. I was just thinking that, and it's like, so the offense has not gotten better. And, and individual guys who we singled out earlier in the season of, okay, well, if this guy gets better, the offense is going to follow suit. Joey Votto's brought his batting average up. He's batting over 270 now. He's batting 271 as of me recording, or at least I, I think that was coming into today. I was looking at baseball reference, so if that's a little bit off, sorry about that. Yasiel Puig, he's brought his average up. He's brought his slugging up. I mean, heck, the last week, the Reds went as Yasiel Puig went. 
He was killing the ball. But who else was? There was no one else that was helping him. Eugenio Suarez still is kind of miring in not really a super slump, but he'll have a game or two where he's good, and then he'll have three or four where he just disappears. And to say nothing of our buddy Derek Dietrich. I love Derek Dietrich. He's awesome. He's fun to watch. He's a great personality. He didn't wear any sleeves. There was a couple of guys that didn't wear any sleeves whenever they had the 1956 throwbacks, and that was pretty awesome. Except for the weird vampire Mr. Redlegs logo. That was strange. But the sleeveless uniforms were awesome, I think. But his performance on the field has been lacking. Ever since June 1st, so June 1st was the height of his batting average this season at 270. And that was a couple of days after the three home run performance. He was riding high. Everyone was like, boy, I think he's the MVP of the team right now. At least as far as hitting is concerned. I think everyone agrees that Luis Castillo is pretty much the MVP of the first half. And especially, you know, baseball reference, the wins above replacements would agree. But... Ever since June 1st, at the height of his batting average at 270, he's got 11 hits in 71 at-bats. His batting average for the season has gone from 270 to 222. His OPS that was amazing, above 1,000, now it's knocking down the door of 900, and it might be lower than that. It's just, he's just been, I mean, I'm sorry. We we love Derek Dietrich, but he's been awful this last month and a little bit. So, what's going on? You can't just have one out of eight guys hitting. Especially when you've got guys at the bottom of your lineup like Jose Peraza, who never looks at a pitch. Doesn't matter what situation it is in the game, he's swinging at that pitch. Now Jose Iglesias is kind of starting to chase pitches. In fact, I saw I think I saw a statistic that he is fifth in the major leagues in chase rate. So as far as pitches that are not in the strike zone, he swings the bat the fifth most out of everyone in major league baseball. That's not great. And it's not going to lead to good numbers moving forward here. So that would be something to watch. But and then you got Kirk Sally. He's not hitting. Just a lot of anemia in the lineup right now. And maybe the All-Star game helps. Maybe this little four-day break kind of gets everybody right. But we're talking about an offense that we have continually said, oh, they're going to show up. They're going to just, just wait. They're coming. The cavalry's coming. Yeah, the cavalry hadn't showed up. Every time we think it's showing up, it's one guy. It's Yasiel Puig. It's Joey Votto. It's Eugenio Suarez. And everyone else is just kind of watching or striking out or striking out watching. Then you've got the bullpen, and the bullpen has really been on fire for most of the first half until this last week and a half. It's been a huge liability. It's the reason that they lost the second game to Milwaukee, and they didn't do them any favors against the Indians either. Guys that were staples, David Hernandez, the narrative on David Hernandez was he was getting unlucky. He should be a lot better than his ERA says. His last couple of appearances totally disagree. He's been pretty bad. I don't know if he just needs a break or what, but the last handful of appearances have been 
hit or miss and mostly miss. Then Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen's awesome. One of the best relievers on this team, one of the best personalities on this team. In fact, up until the other day when he gave up a couple late inning runs to Cleveland, his ERA was under three. It was at 2.9. And you can even go back into late May, up until May 29th. So all the way through May 28th, his ERA is at 1.9. And then he blows up. He gives up four runs to Pittsburgh on May 29th, and that throws his ERA up above three. So ERA, okay, I'm talking a lot about ERA for relief pitchers. It's a little bit of a misjudgment when it comes to them, but but it's worth noting that in two of his last three appearances, he's given up multiple runs. In fact, in his last three and two-thirds innings pitched, he's given up five earned runs, and that includes a pair of homers. Obviously not something that you want to give up as a reliever. You don't like the long ball getting out of the park. And you just start to wonder what this bullpen's going to look like. I know it's something that was an early season topic whenever David Bell was pulling guys, pulling starters super early in games. And people were wondering, well, is fatigue going to set in? And there were those who were saying, well, they're not throwing that many innings. But when you have a high number of appearances, that means you've thrown warm-up pitches and you know, just generally getting ready for the game. It's not as if they just run in, throw a couple of pitches, and then they're done. It's more to that. And it'll be something to monitor in the second half. Because if the bullpen goes and the lineup is not scoring, it's going to be a long second half of the season. Anyway, that that definitely does seem like a lot of negative stuff. There's still plenty of positive with this team. You've still got great starting pitching. One of the best in the league. In fact, they've got two starters on the All-Star team, and they both deserve it. Now, Sonny Gray was the second Reds All-Star to make the team this year, and he was named after Max Scherzer pitched on, I think it was uh, Friday night, which means that he would be unavailable to pitch on Tuesday. So that opened up the spot, but he still had to get in based on his performance, and he's been lights out lately. Saw that on the wonderful Twitter.com that says in his last nine starts, The Reds have won eight of them, and we all remember his last start when he went eight innings with shutout ball, almost had a no-hitter rolling, and the the Reds ended up winning 3-0 in that game. It was just a brilliant pitching performance against a Brewers lineup that is very solid. And so there's still positives to glean out of this team, and they haven't hit their peak. You know, you, you always get the argument in different sports, well, this team's not playing their best ball yet. I don't think the Reds have played their best ball yet. And we've seen them win six in a row. We've seen some really good games, but I don't think we've seen their best. So what happens when we see their best? Will it be too late at that point? Who knows? But I think that's something to really keep an eye on. And now we've got an all-star break here. We've got the home run derby. There's no red in the home run derby here tonight on Monday night, but I'm still looking forward to it because... We won't have the old uh, adage of, oh, this one counts. It really only counts for the guy who wins. The guy who wins wins a million dollars. Now, I don't care who you are. 
million dollars is a lot of money. Even if you make multi-million dollars a year, you've got young rookies in there like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and guys like that who really want that million dollars. So I'm looking forward to watching tonight and then, of course, the All-Star Game on Tuesday. That's going to wrap us up here for the Monday edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. I do want to put a plug in. There will be a special Reds Alert podcast. My friend Stephen Offenbaker, who does the Reds Alert podcast, a great podcast weekly show. He's having an all-star podcast. I will be joining him. Chad Dotson from Red Leg Nation will be joining him. And Coop from the Hunt for Reds October podcast. We're all going to get together, talk about Reds baseball, and someone's going to be recording it so that you can listen to it. Definitely look for that on all your major podcasting platforms. Uh, Steve's a great guy. Definitely worth a listen. But uh, make sure to check that out and look for tomorrow's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast as well. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. That's the easiest way to get each and every episode. And then head on over to twitter.com and look us up at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And give us a call on the Locked On Reds line, 513-549-0159. That'll do it for today, guys. For the Locked On Reds podcast, my name is Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 